0: The Knicks are playing at a 56-win pace over their last 20 games. So why does it not quite feel like they're an elite team, even after a dominant weekend? We're getting into that next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes for And Anthony for three! Fire That one goes down! Back up off the glass. It's good! Oh, Becomes infectious. All right, welcome in to Locked On Nick's. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Nick's site The Strickland, which you can find at TheStrick.land. He's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play by play broadcaster's favorite play by play broadcaster. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube, we appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. And if you want to make sure that we're part of your daily routine, be sure to hit subscribe on either your podcast platform or YouTube and make sure to auto download or notify you about new episodes. That's a little bell on YouTube or the auto download function on your podcast platform. Uh, but Gavin, a couple great wins over. Well, okay. Depending on who you talk to, Mm. great wins. I don't know. I, so I was actually out on Friday night, so I didn't watch the game live. And all I know is I was looking at Twitter and people were acting like the sky was falling that the Knicks beat the wizards. Uh, I, because Kuzma had a really good game, which I mean, you know, Kuzma's not exactly my favorite player. Uh, and I, I don't necessarily love the fact that he had 40 points, but I don't, think that he necessarily got it super easy uh, and they made Porzingis's life pretty hard so I don't know I, I felt pretty good about that one I certainly felt good about the Detroit win however we were talking about it before we started recording these two wins and the way the Knicks have been playing lately you, you did a little calculation before the show they're at a 56 win pace over their last 20 games uh, I think it's 14 out of 20 if I'm not yeah mistaken. 14 and 6 Yep. yeah and You know, they're the talent is really shining through lately, I think. But I do think there is something to be said for this team doesn't quite feel there yet as like an elite team, even if the talent is really starting to to find their way with Brunson, with Randall, both looking like all stars, RJ finding his way back from his his uh, finger uh, horror show injury and you know Grimes and Quickly really finding their groove we'll certainly talk about Quickly more in the second segment but what do you think right now is kind of holding them back from being a true like elite team right now yeah so i i i think it's a fascinating question right
1: because the the stats say they are an elite team right they're, they're top 3 in net rating now over the last month and a half you could we we mentioned that 56 win pace over their last 20 games, you you flip the result of the bulls and the Mavs game. And you could say again, like odds are like the the Mavs game was, was an astronomical occurrence. The bulls game was also, it was just a terrible breakdown. And if you're 16 and four, um, then you get to do the same thing and and multiply that by four. And you're at a 64 win pace all of a sudden, um, which is, would be crazy, Um, or even maybe sixty-five wins, yeah, something like that. Um, But the that plus just how dominant they've been again is indicative of a team that is quote unquote on paper. Like if 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 it was a more of a blind resume and you didn't know who was on the team, you didn't know who the coach was, you didn't know any any other context, you would say, oh, that's that's a finals contender. They're playing like a fi-. like it's on it. It's like it's not totally dissimilar from what the celtics did last year except for the fact that the celtics had an even crazier net rating and you if you actually get to look who's on the roster you say jason tatum mvp candidate Jalen brown all nba caliber player uh role players up and down the roster that are absolutely elite uh, excuse me and the knicks still don't have that top 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 end talent but honestly even as i say that alex and i'll i'll, I'll throw this back at you It feels hard to say that with any kind of certainty when Jalen Brunson uh, since January 1st, I think now is second in the NBA behind only Joel Embiid in in points per game, or at least going to the Pistons game he was. And then he dropped, or uh, yeah, the Pistons game. And then he dropped 27. Randall, uh, second or first 40 and 15 game on the Knicks since Patrick Ewing. Like they're playing like all NBA caliber talent. So even if they're third team, all NBA guys, and look, it's, it's a while out. Like, and there's so much competition at the point guard spot in particular that that Brunson's going to have to literally play at this pace for the rest of the year to even garner like distant consideration for that um all that is to say like i don't know like is this a team that could make some noise in the playoffs
0: i don't know you know i think it ultimately comes down to execution and i still have my questions about if Tibbs is going to be able to guide them that far like obviously the baseline is fantastic and that's what we've given Tibbs the most credit for over the last number of months is like he has gotten this team to this point you know and it started back in 20 to 21 and then last year obviously it was a hiccup kind of across the board and he and randall both kind of leaned into some of their worst tendencies and now this year we're starting to see some of their best tendencies come out again in the sense of, like, Randall is playing super efficient, super engaged, he's playing defense again, and maybe is sort of... A, a lot of times they say players are a reflection of the coach. I wonder if the coach is kind of becoming a reflection of the players, sort of, in this, where Tibbs is starting to starting to reward hard work a little more. You know, like, Emmanuel Quickly is not having to, you know, like, put out his cup and beg for, you know, a few minutes here and there on the, on the bench anymore. Like, he's... He's able to just kind of count on like, okay, I think I'm going to be playing like 20 to 25 to maybe even close to 30 minutes in this game. And we even saw like he was going to have quickly in there for RJ down the stretch of this game quickly, you know, and Grimes out there as well, but like those two out there and have RJ uh, on the bench down the stretch of the one game. So, you know, it's, he's taking more chances. And like, I, I mentioned this before we started recording to you too, like, unprovoked he has started using obi and randall together at times again he did that in the detroit game uh today which was great to see and i think did it for a quick spell in the wizards game as well if i'm remembering correctly but it's like he's doing the bare minimum it feels like but it does still feel like late game execution and especially once they get into like lead guarding mode the Knicks don't generally have a great plan and they don't have like a great like run the clock out offense like they they operate pretty quickly where they want to you know get a shot off fairly fairly fast sometimes or sometimes at different points during the game like early on sometimes they actually have a somewhat clock running offense that results in a good shot but they just like forget how to do that down the stretch and lean into isoing and isoing has always kind of been Tibbs' favorite form of offense. I think he's very much like a down the stretch of a game, let me just trust my horses to run, you know, like I'm going to have these guys just do their thing. And I think that the, the any NBA team not just the Knicks needs sort of a gentler touch down the stretch of like no, let's have a real game plan rather than just like let's put it in guys hands and and let, you know, the chips fall. And I don't know for sure if Tibbs is ready to do that. Yet, or if he'll ever be ready to do that, because honestly, he kind of he is who he is at this point. I, th- I think he set them up with a great baseline. I think he actually, surprisingly, and maybe he's been giving more, you know, input to other guys now, but on his staff. But I think the offense has looked a lot better than it's looked his entire tenure uh, in recent weeks and recent months this season. But I do still question if he would be the guy that could lead the Knicks past anything more than just like a first round berth this year again. Um, especially considering they'll probably go in as a six or five seed, unless they can keep up this torrid pace that they're on right now and maybe sneak into the four again. But either way, they're gonna have a tough matchup waiting for them in the first round, no matter where they fall. Uh, because the top of the east is absolutely stacked this year.
1: Yeah, Alex, I have um I have some more thoughts. And I I think they're I'm maybe maybe I'm just in a good mood this weekend, but I'm I'm feeling kind of forgiving towards Tom Thibodeau, and I I wanna I wanna give him a little credit. But first, I got to help all of you make some money because that's, uh, look, we number one priority is to tell you about the next number two priority. To tell you about cool places. You can go to uh, do sportsy games and have some fun and make some money doing so. Um, and the number one spot for that is prize pick. So tonight I am taking uh, Julius Randall. Well, yeah, tonight or this afternoon, I guess I should say I'm taking Julius Randall to continue his hot streak over 27 points. I am taking Jalen Brunson to have more than 6.5 assists. And I am taking Emmanuel quickly. He's he's due for a big three-point shooting night. Over 3.5 three-pointers made. So how does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they go score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. Just you versus the projections available. PriceBix offers projections on any sport you can watch. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, and they offer safe and fast withdrawals. And you, you can play pretty much anywhere, over 30 states and in Canada. So download the PriceBix app or go to PriceBeaks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PriceFix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PriceFix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code LOCKEDON and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, Alex. So here's here's my counter on that. Um, and maybe I I, I haven't done a good enough job making this point, but NBA late game offense is like I and this is not to say other teams don't have more spice than the Knicks do, right? There, there's there's more creativity, there's more off ball stuff. Like some teams have really good out of bounds plays the Knicks maybe have every once in a while. But usually the rule of thumb, even in modern basketballs, is spread it out and give it to your best guy. And I think a lot of the the Knicks issues has been like their best guys. As, as good as Jalen Brunson is, as good as Julius Randle is, generally the teams they lose to have better best guys, right? Whether it's Luka Doncic, whether it's Jason Tatum, or whether it's Giannis, whether it's Harden and Embiid, the the Knicks' best players have usually gotten outdueled, and that forces you defensively to contort and twist and and, and trap and and push yourself to the breaking point to slow down these superstars, and inevitably, um, that that sets up role guys to like a, a George Nying, um on that Christmas day game to have the performance of a lifetime. Or, I mean, you could, you could even look at the bucks, like whether it was drew holiday or, or Joe Ingalls and like over and over again, not that drew holiday is a role player, but over and over again, those guys were killing you because the Knicks were doing everything possible to shut down Giannis and, and honestly doing a fantastic job of it. So that's not on Tibbs. That's just sort of the, reality of the Knicks roster and, and again that's not to say like there isn't things he can do better and I, I think in particular what what has killed them so many times is the combination of that lack of top 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 end talent um and the fact that he's been playing guys so many minutes that you have stars that are already at a slight deficit and then they're exhausted and then it gets really hard to execute against defenses that are completely locked in and fighting for their lives and and you get these I mean like we we had in full against the Wizards, where the Knicks were were up by ten with uh, three minutes to go, um, off of the great Julius Randle bucket, and it got to like the Wizards, like um, I, I guess they never had the ball like within one possession because they just got the Kuzma three free throws, and then and then Jalen Brunson came back and hit his free throws, but closer than you'd want. And in the Pistons game, like not that they were ever really in danger of losing, but they kind of like played with their food a little bit. And it's the NBA, like as, as people. uh insist on telling me in the comments section, Alex, there's no bad losses, but um, I understand the frustration. I understand why it would give you some hesitancy. And, and I'm curious um, one, like how you think that will translate into the playoffs where like they're going, against better defense. So they're going in. So stars game in and game out. If there's a reason for doubt, I think it's that. And two um, I mean, just maybe we can get into this weekend's games a little, like how the Knicks sort of turn that around just because Brunson and Randall played like a, a just about as well as anyone in in the NBA can play these last two games.
0: Yeah, I think two things stand out to me. I'll I'll say first off, since you just mentioned it, the minutes allotment. I mean, yeah, it's I think that can be attributed to some of the occasional like late game foibles that the Knicks have here. Like even against the Pistons, it's hard to blame them for letting their foot off the gas a little and letting the Pistons get within whatever the closest they were was like five points, three points, whatever it was. It was 76-70, I think. I mean, obviously that was maybe even later they got closer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever the the closest the Pistons got were, it was closer than they should have been at any given point, given the fact that we're talking about one of the worst teams in the league that was without like three or four of their best players in this game. I mean there was really no excuse for for it being close at all at any point but you look then and it's like well against this this essentially super G League team if we're being completely honest that they were playing in the in the Pistons in this one without Cade without Bogdanovich, etc without Durin you know their their high pick this year like it, you have Julius Randle playing 40 minutes Brunson playing 42 Grimes playing 37 and a half, Mitch playing 34, quickly playing 34, RJ playing 26 and a half, which was actually somewhat low. But then only three other guys getting minutes and it's uh, Hartenstein at 11 and a half, Obi at nine and a half and Deuce at four and a half, which seems super low. I mean, it's just it's like no wonder these guys are starting to lose steam at the end of games because they're tired, you know, like even the best athletes in the world. if you And the way it's not even just that, it's the way that the shifts occur so often with Tibbs where it'll be like, okay, you get your normal rest maybe in the third quarter, but then you're going to play like the whole fourth quarter plus a little bit at the end of the third. And it's just such a long shift to expect someone to continue to be able to make shots and play high-level basketball at without having any sort of reprieve. So again, especially against a team that is – quite frankly, even at full strength, not in the Knicks league, but then at not even half strength is well below the, you know, anyone that should be competing with the Knicks. Like you shouldn't have to play Randall 40 minutes, even if he's playing like an absolute monster in the game, you know, you shouldn't have to play Brunson 42 minutes in that game. And yet they did. Um, So that's one thing. The other thing, as far as the late game execution, I'm kind of with you. Like you do generally see teams, go to their guys late and have them generate shots. And that is how the NBA works. Obviously my big issue is that the Knicks switch into that way too early. And that's always been the the problem. I feel like the last couple years is, and that's why they blow so many leads is that they'll be like midway through the third quarter and then be like, okay, time to switch into, you know, like it. I made this analogy when, when I had, um, drew Steele on last week, when we did the one game recap, like they switch into like, uh, like an NFL team that's up by 10 midway through the third and then says, okay, we're just going to run the ball now, you know, like time to play it safe. And then inevitably they get stonewalled a few times. And then the other team comes back and wins the game. I think that happens to the Knicks too often where they switch into that too early, whereas they have a great offense earlier in the game that then just doesn't get a chance to show up again. Um, So, because I think that it's a lot harder than then switch back, after you've already switched into, like, ISO mode to end the game, I think it's a lot harder to then be like, wait, no, never mind. Let's go back to running a cohesive offense again because then you've already got these guys thinking like, okay, it's time to go get my shot now. It's time to run clock out. It's time to, you know, make this last as long as possible and then just score late in the game. And that also tires guys out more too because it puts more burden on them. So it's like a multi-fold problem, but one that hopefully they can solve I mean I will give Tibbs credit for doing some different stuff this year whether it's just to save his job or not he has kind of changed his approach a little bit and it's worked obviously quite well with the Knicks playing as well as they have over the last 20 games and you know being this far above 500 at this point in the season is quite literally unheard of for the last 10 years since the 2012 to 13 team so you know I'll I think he deserves at this point as much as you and I are both well on record saying that he's not the coach that's going to eventually bring the Knicks where they want to go, which is like being a true contender. I think he's at least earned the latitude to serve out the rest of this year and see where it goes. But I do think as much as it would be a decision that would make a lot of people very angry, the Knicks should at least start considering the possibility of looking at a coach that would be that next step level coach as soon as this off season, if the talent continues to shine like this uh, and, you know, they, they continue to show not necessarily full cracks in the armor, but at least like signs of cracks in the armor. And especially if they have a very underwhelming playoffs again, I think it would be pretty telling.
1: Yeah. And I think the best thing the Knicks could do at this point with how well they're playing is not give Tibbs an excuse, and I, and I guess he'll, he'll always have one in the sense that the Knicks are extremely unlikely to have the best player in their in their first round series, and and I guess the the only way that's not true is if is if they make a run all the way up to the two or three seed, which seems unlikely, but you could look at it right now: two games behind the Cavs for fifth, two and a half behind the Sixers for fourth, two and a half behind the Bucks for third, three behind the kd list Nets for second. It's not impossible. Mm-hmm. I think it's unlikely because all those teams have MVP candidates. If you want to consider Donovan Mitchell an MVP candidate, and the Knicks don't, but I don't know, crazier things have happened. Uh, but it, but assuming they get into a playoff series where they're where they're outgunned um in terms of star talent, um, the reason they're gonna win is because of their depth. And 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 to me, um, even though um you saw at least against uh the Wizards, like Grimes not have a great shooting game, and like obviously, Ob is is kind of a, a shell of what he was at the beginning of the season, and and that's I mean that that's a podcast in itself. What's going on with Ob topper right now? It's not good. It's not good with Ob topping right now. Um, but uh, guys, with with how well Quickly's playing, and we'll get into mo- we'll get more into that in just a sec. Um, I think there's there's a window there if you can add one more piece off the bench. And the irony here is a guy we just got to watch last night, Alec Burks. Um, I've seen multiple of them make this point. I agree with that. Um, he would be perfect for this team. Like they really, they just need another wing that can create a shot um, and, and can move the ball and can hold up on defense, which is Burks to a T, but maybe they end up giving up some stuff for Eric Gordon. Maybe they look at Orlando and Terrence Ross. Like you could, you can mention a whole bunch of candidates and there are tons of guys we'll talk about um, in the coming weeks, but it's clear they need, one more guy I think because the bench I mean you you noted it um like you you could look at either game this weekend but particularly the Pistons game like there was nothing doing out I, I think quickly was literally the only bench player to score in the first half against the Pistons so I, I that is an area they desperately need help and if you want to say all right Tibbs we gave you we gave you all the tools you needed and you're still playing Julius Randall 42 minutes a night uh that's not good you're still playing Jalen Brunson 40 minutes a night RJ Barrett is still at 38 minutes a night um, if if you go out and get that depth, then you, you kind of have an honest look at, at what Tibbs is doing uh, because the danger in getting rid of Tibbs is, is obviously, and this, this is kind of devil's advocate because I'm generally on the same page with you, is that like you lose some of the good stuff, and there's a lot of really good stuff right now. But before we get into that, Alex, uh, can you tell people about some really good stuff they can eat?
0: Yeah, well, you know, maybe I could recommend this to the Knicks too. You know, if, if you're feeling a little tired, Knicks players, you know, after Tibbs has you on your 40th out of 42nd minute of the night, Maybe go eat a built bar on the bench because they are a delicious treat, but don't have all the fat and calories of some other delicious treats. You got to try a built bar. And, you know, we just got through the holidays. My goal is to eat a little healthier this year. Uh, I'm trying to work out more, get back in shape and, you know, drop a few pounds. And everybody always does that. But, you know, I'm going to try to stick to it. And built bar makes it pretty easy to stick to it because I can feel like I'm cheating on my diet. Uh, by eating this delicious candy bar-looking thing that tastes like a candy bar and feels like a candy bar and chews like a candy bar and everything else. But it is not, in fact, a candy bar. It is a Built Bar. But just like candy bars, they are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and my personal favorite, coconut almond, which tastes just like an almond joy. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And they're good for you because they have 130 calories and four grams of sugar, which is not a ton compared to a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now the good news is you don't have to wait around to get some if you want to get some built bars. We've been talking about ordering built bars from built.com for years, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club, that's right, head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with Hit Flavors brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. Of course, if you want to get them online as well and maybe order in bulk, you can always go to Built.com. All right, Gavin, we're back for our third segment here. And I'm gonna throw this to you because I know that you wanted to give a an ode to Emmanuel Quickly and uh, and his play in these two games over the weekend. I also have some stuff to add, but I I want to let you lead things off because yeah, it was I, well. You know what? Here I'll take I'll yeah. Take go mine. for it. Go. For I'll it, take my please. moment to just give the the stats first. Love uh, to hear it. So against Detroit on Sunday, 17 points, six of 13 shooting, three of six from deep for Quickly. Also had three boards and three assists. And then versus Washington on Friday night, he has 18 points, uh, four rebounds, two assists, shot seven to 13 overall, only one of four from three. But Gavin, I I think, you know, we were talking about it before the show. A lot of what made this weekend from Quickly so impressive was that the three-point shot was not a necessity to make him, uh, you know, useful on the court and – or – I guess it wasn't an active detriment to his offense, say on Friday night that he wasn't really making as many threes because he was just so good at everything else. And perhaps that is why we have now seen in a report from Mark Stein the other day that apparently the Knicks are still receiving calls about quickly, but now are starting to say a little more on the side of uh, we are not interested in dealing this guy because he is very good and we want to keep him and he's part of our team now, which I'm like, good. Glad it it only took this most recent stretch of awesome play for them to come to that conclusion. But I'm glad to hear that that does apparently be seem to be the direction that they're leaning now at this point.
1: Yeah, we're gonna have a hoops hype uh, Michael Scotto on uh, Wednesday, I believe, um, to talk more about the quickly stuff. So that is really really good and really exciting. It's all it's all good news on the Emmanuel quickly front. But yeah, I mean, look, like I mean, do you, do you remember like his his rookie year? this was a guy who we were like, wow, he's an incredible shooter, but he is he is literally afraid to take a layup and 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 on, he wasn't capable of taking layups in the NBA he was he was not not slow but he wasn't explosive enough. he, he was didn't frail. Jump, he didn't jump he, high enough yet but he was frail yeah and mm-hmm. he he couldn't take I mean he he drew a lot of fouls on the perimeter, couldn't really generate contact at the rim um and couldn't finish through like even like even just people going straight up on him. Like he was bouncing off them and, and he had no chance in the world. And now he is he is a heat-seeking missile in transition. He's trying to bump into people, he's trying to generate contact. Man, I'm 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 gonna tell you, there was a one play in the Wizards game that got me so fired up when he just went right into Corey Kispert's chest for an and one. That was I was like, this is a different dude. This is a different human being than he's been in the past. We we had the same thing um on Kyle Kuzma, we had the Euro. And he just hit like this off balance, like kind of like half layup, like half floater over him. Um and it was it was just in the mix, I think, for my favorite offensive game of the year for him. Um, and and you throw that in with just just the still like the basketball IQ with the greater athleticism. Like the play that summed that up to me was um he had one where this was like a little after um the the first layup he had against the Wizards, where he's going up the court and he did kind of the like MJ um, on the on like the all time Knicks dunk that he had where he was dribbling and if you if you're on YouTube you can see this and then he just looks the other way whole defense freezes and speeds in for a layup um, he had maybe my favorite pass of his on the year um, where RJ hit him on a cut and then he immediately like did it into, like a double pump wrap around um, around Taj Gibson to Isaiah Hartenstein for a dunk like I I just it, it's so clear that he is like I, I think. Just literally over the last twelve games he has gone up two or three levels as a player. And I don't know alex if we, if we 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 did the young players' rankings the other day I had him fourth I might have him second after this weekend that that's how that's how good this weekend was to be small sample size theater galore, but he just seems so in control um and it 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 seems like his physical capabilities have finally matched his mental capabilities
0: yeah i I'm with you and you know I think. Another thing to point out: uh, everything you said about him taking layups, totally, hundred percent. And I think that that is the biggest thing that has changed with him. And also just the, the way that he uses his particular athletic gifts now is different. Like he used to, he used to use his stop-start ability to get guys on his hip and then draw a foul or whatever. Now he's just like he just uses the start ability and less of the stop ability. And uses that to just get straight to the rim, and he's developed such a good up and under game that you know he's now able to sort of take that little like step to the side and get a lefty layup or get an under the basket layup, you know, as he's coming baseline or whatever, and do it so well. The other thing though that I will say is that I think we're seeing a return of one of his staples from his rookie year, which has been up and down since then, which is the floater. And I've been noticing, I I don't know if this just just something that I'm noticing that he's been doing for a minute or what but these two games having watched them basically in like uh in succession of one another uh today because I was I recorded the game Friday night like he I feel like is putting less on the floater now and making making it less uh that it has to be a perfect like rainbow swoosh at this point and is starting to sort of, I don't want to say line drive it, but put it in such a way. It reminds me a lot of how Brunson sort of approaches can can this like, out there. It's kind yeah. of similar to where RJ's having success yeah. when like when he, when he shoots it like a
1: little bit mm-hmm. shorter.
0: Yeah. 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 Shorter and like with less arc on it because he's yeah. letting the rim act as like a helper, you know, like as long as I shoot this straight at this, even if it's not perfectly into the hoop, it'll just kind of lightly tap around on the rim there and then eventually find its way in. And I feel like he's been getting a lot more of those lately. Um, which, you know, he still has his occasional like baseline one where he just hits a perfect little rainbow, but Mm. the straight on ones, I think he's really starting to, to perfect that art form again. Uh, And again, maybe learning from RJ, maybe learning some from Brunson who Brunson somehow does that on his jumpers too, where he just has the softest touch humanly possible and gets it to bounce around on the, on the rim and eventually just plop its way in after like four bounces. But Yeah, I I love everything with quickly right now. And he's still defending his butt off. Like, I mean, he's going to be a 25 to 30 minute per game player the rest of the year, I feel like, unless something drastically changes. And I I can't really see anything drastically changing. Uh, I got to, we haven't really touched on Brunson and Julius as much yet in the show, but got to like basically shout both of them out for the fact that they both kind of individually won. The Knicks. Each of the two games, uh, Brunson against the Wizards, goes for 34 on 12 of 24 shooting, uh, three of six from three, seven of seven from the free throw line, eight boards, eight assists. Just absolutely dynamic, awesome superstar performance from him. He really put the team on his back late when they needed him to. Uh, it wasn't Randall's absolute best game uh, in this one, so it was really there's a lot more impetus on. Brunson to sort of carry this one across the finish line. And he did, uh, especially considering the Knicks had a little bit of a hard time dealing with some of the officiating and the foul calls that were coming uh, against them down the stretch as well. Uh, But also Brunson in these two games too, just uh, especially came through in the, the Pistons game, but just putting his body on the line time after time after time and drawing charge after charge after charge. Never gets old seeing that happen when a guy's like, oh, got this. And then he's like, oh, nope, never mind. Brunson is under me somehow and (laughs) like completely in my way and also got his feet down perfectly in like a split second. I don't know how he does it. But then Randall in the Pistons game, uh, not to be outdone on a 24 shot performance, manages to get 42 on 24 shots, shooting 15 of 24 from the field, uh, four of seven for three and eight of eight from the free throw line along with 15 boards and four assists. I mean, he was just not even a man among boys. He was like a monster among men uh, in the, the Pistons game just going absolutely bonkers. Um, I, he couldn't be, st- I, he, he just bullied the crap out of those poor kids. I mean, it's mostly kids that were playing. <laughs> it's like young players on the Pistons with no Bogdanovich and all that. Uh Shout out to Julius for that game too. I don't know that there's not too much more to say when they're at their best. I feel like everybody knows what their best looks like at this point. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I kind of, I kind of had the same thought where I was like, all right, like how are, how are we going to frame this uniquely with, with Brunson and Randall? I was like, you really can't like, they're just, they're both incredible shot makers. I mean, Brunson had one, um, I think it was the Pistons game. They kind of blend together, but like he had a, a turnaround fade away off one leg. And it was, it was a little bit of, of a Dirk fade and it just he just threw it up, and it was like, and it was a shot. If if your friend took, you'd be like, all right, that's that's totally BS. You d- you didn't mean to do that. Like, shut up. Like, stop bragging about that. And and he just, but with Brunson, it's like, oh, he's probably practiced that twenty thousand times in his life. And it, of course, it swished in like that. And that that sort of summed up the two games for me for Brunson. I mean, the manipulation, but even even more than like his manipulation and his footwork, his touch is is just extraordinary. And it, it was and and Randall it was like i i don't really have that many comments cuz i'm i'm totally with you like it, w- it was not a fair matchup against the pistons he he belonged in a in a in a if, if if there's a league above the nba and or or maybe the pistons should be in a league below the nba this, this iteration anyways that's not even a shot at them like they they have a fantastic future you you could argue you would take their future over the Knicks with Cade with Durin, with with how good Ivy looks with how good Killian Hayes looks so uh, not not a shot at you uh, weird Pistons fan who's still listening 35 minutes in this episode I don't know why you'd be doing that but um, anyways uh, finally Alex I wanted to shout out Mitchell Robinson real quick I know not not a perfect two-game stretch for him and statistically like not really like a, a monster monster performance in in either game but I don't know. It kind of reminds me of you. You'll appreciate this reference. I don't know if anyone else watching will, but um, like Smart Hulk in in the Avengers, where he's like, "Yeah, to match the brain with the brawn." Like, like Mitch is Mitch is matched, um, like the athleticism with the strength with with the IQ for the most part, and, and and the results I think are fantastic. I mean, some of the some of the shots he he got to over these two games, I and mean, particularly in the Wizards game, it was it was his third block of the game where he had um it was oh my god what's his name on on the wizards there their point guard who was a uh, jordan goodwin um who's a second round pick and and mitch when when goodwin gathered was on the opposite side he was outside of the paint on the left side goodwin was laying it up on the right side outside the paint and mitch somehow got there to block it without goaltending um and then he also had that big like power dribble and jam, which you always see him try. And he always seems to miss the dunk on, but this time he got it to go, had a seal for a bucket really early against the Pistons. Um, I, I, I still want more, but I love this version of Mitchell Robinson and and he's been looking so good defensively um, these last few games.
0: Yeah. I actually want to touch on Mitch briefly too, for my last point, which is just like, let the man play defense. My God. These refs, like the the Wizards game in particular was just comical. The stuff that they were calling on him. There was a hilarious point where I don't know if MSG did this intentionally, but it was late in the game. And it was after Randall made a big layup against Kuzma. Then Kuzma drew the foul against Mitch on the other end. And it was almost the exact same play where Randall drove in, had to kind of put his body into Kuzma a little bit, but Kuzma like, stood his ground, but also was clearly like making a, an advance towards, you know, like, like leaning his body towards Randall, whatever, and didn't get called for a foul, even though he directly put his body while moving in between Randall and the hoop did not get called for a foul. Randall finishes through it. Cool. Kuzma on the other end goes directly at Mitch who yes, was moving a little bit, but kept himself more straight up and down than Kuzma had on the other end. And then Kuzma misses the shot and Mitch gets called for a foul for the exact same thing that Kuzma had not gotten called for a foul for on the other side. And he winds up fouling out because of it earlier in the game too. He played some masterful one-on-one defense against Porzingis that got called a foul for absolutely no reason Uh, where he just like, he did exactly what you should do where Porzingis was on the block and was switching left, right, left, right, you know, whatever, like over and over and over again, trying to like, pivot Mitch out of his shoes, but Mitch was really not budging. And in fact, like just kind of each time that Porzingis would give him an inch, Mitch would take it and step into the space, which you're allowed to do as a defender, like you're allowed to work your way into space that the player on offense gives you and then use that to try to keep them away from the hoop. Like that's literally defense and basketball. And yet he just stood there, arms up in front of Porzingis the entire time. And then Porzingis just kind of like flailed and got a foul call. No good reason, even though Mitch had his hands up and didn't make the whole thing is you have to like make a move forward towards the ball for it to count as a foul. If you just stand there, arms straight up and you're you're just defending in that way should not be a foul against you. And yet they still called it a foul against him. So I don't know. He he got a real bad rap in that Wizards game. Let Mitch defend NBA refs. Come on. Like it if you're going to let other teams have play more physical styles of defense, then, you know, let the Knicks do it too. I don't know. So that's my final rant. Anyway, this has been a good weekend recap, uh, weekend update, as it were, if we want to make this like SNL. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> thank you all for listening. And we will have a MLK day recap. And then, as Gavin said, we have an interview with Michael Scotto of uh of Hoopsite. Hoops Hoopsite, my mistake. Uh, coming up on Wednesday for some trade season updates, which I'm sure will be heating up in the coming weeks. So Stay tuned for that, but till next time, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. Peace out.